Our series is entitled Promoting Jesus God's Way. It is a look at the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand is coming up next. The co-author of Divine Revelation and the co-agent in creation, he is the Holy Spirit, and he is the subject of our series, The Promotion of Jesus God's Way. Welcome to our broadcast. This is Way of Grace, and today we catch up with Pastor Jessica Stand once again here in John chapter 16, verses 1 through 15. Now, this is the jumping off scripture for our message called The Person and Work of the Spirit of God. We'll spend time in Genesis and Ephesians, as well as 1 Samuel, 1 Peter, and Romans chapter 10. With today's edition of Way of Grace, here's Pastor Jessica Stan. Genesis, our Exodus 20 through 20, where God warned that the angel will not pardon you unless you obey him. How many of you guys remember that, fellas? And his, God's name is in him. God's name is in the angel. That angel is who? Christ in whose name he operates authoritatively. Well, the Holy Ghost has that role now. Got it? The Holy Ghost now bears the name of Christ. He bears the name of the Father. He bears their reputation and their authority. And we are to obey him like we are to obey Christ and we are to obey the Father. Do you see it? It's there. And I'm, I'm, ladies and gentlemen, it's in your Bible. I'm just talking Bible. I'm sorry. All I'm doing is talking Bible. This is a propositional sermon. I could lay out all the Bible verses. The Holy Ghost bears the name of the Son, the name of the Father. That's why he's called, this is another message, the Spirit of Christ. That's why he's called the Spirit of the Father. Because he bears their authority. They are present in the Spirit of God in our lives when we submit to them. That's what Jesus promised in John chapter 14. Remember, if any man love me, he'll keep my words. And I will come and abide with him and my father will come and abide with him. Whoa. And I will manifest myself to him. How do you do that? By the Holy Ghost. By the Holy Ghost. There's a very serious subject matter we're dealing with. Very serious subject matter we're dealing with. He self-identifies, he commissions, he sends, he is to be obeyed. He exercises divine judgment. Don't you thank God for his attributes and characteristics of being merciful and gracious and long suffering and plenteous in goodness and and kind of in God good like that. But, you know, God will kill you, too. Did you know that he'll kill you? Acts chapter five. Earlier in the chapter, verse three had a couple I call, I, 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 I call them really maniacal married people. So like you got good marriages and you got bad marriages. This was a bad marriage. This was a couple, a men, men and women couple who thought that they could come into the church and pretend that they love God. Because, you know, like a lot of people view the church as a horizontal social institution. And they try to find a place in the church and then they start hooking and crooking. You can tell I'm old, hooking and crooking. They do. And because there's so many weak and undiscerning and, and gullible Christians, 
They attach themselves to them and like leeches, drain them. Raise your hand. I'm an elder. I've been sorry for 30, 40 years. They come in and drain people because they're not serious about the things of God. A lot of them are coming in just to get a paycheck. They'll go around and leech off as many ignorant, naive Christians as they can, giving sob stories. Well, you know, my car broke down. Brother, you ain't working? No, you know, I'm, I'm trying to. Do you know what the book says? If you don't work, you don't eat. He ain't never read that verse before. <laughs> Pull it up, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, okay? That way you can keep your money in your pocket. Get your tail out there and go to work. I'll pray for you that God give you a job. Here's $10 to eat today, but don't come back next week and the week after that and the week after that and the week after that with the same sob story because God can open doors. He can make a way out of nowhere. He can get you a job if you really want to work. I ain't had a job in 17 years. You probably not saved. You you probably not even saved. Right. I know unsaved folk who can keep a dollar in their pocket. I ain't going to be mad at you if you put your hustle on. But stop begging. Well, now on the flip side of the beggars, you got Ananias and Sapphira who are, are really good hucksters. They know how to buy property and fix it up and sell it for three times what it's really worth. And they had a business going on for quite some time. And the church movement came through their way and they figured I better get in on this, this Holy Ghost thing because hundreds of people here, man, this is, this is money in the making. Isn't that how they think? I mean, this person needs a house. This person needs it. I can, I can hook them up. I can, I can make money. It's called merchandising on the saints. This is why we don't let sales stuff going on in the church. Because in all your churches is going on. Buying and selling. Buying and selling. The moment you see massive buying and selling going on that grace, go get a switch and the Lord will approve you and beat me. Beat me for letting it in the doors. Okay, beat me for letting it in the doors. Because people, we can get carnal. Okay, 500 people at grace. We can start, we can, ooh, I can make some money. That is not what the church is about. Peter said to Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? And to keep back part of the price of the land. So Peter is exercising what we call the word of knowledge. And we'll deal with that when we deal with the gifts of the spirit down the line. And Peter has just spoken point blank as to the motive intent and the machinations of her husband, of her, her, her and her husband. He plainly condemns them. And verse four says, watch this, because they lied to the Holy Ghost, didn't they? While it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was so, was it not in thine own power? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied unto men, but you have lied unto what? There it is. See, by what we call logical syllogism, if you lie to the Holy Ghost, then you lie to God, which means the Holy Ghost is God. Does that logic follow? Just that simple. Just that simple. Now, this actually gets into a whole nother realm of the intimacy of the spirit of God in the lives of both saved and unsaved people, because Ananias and Sapphira were not saved. They were just religious. But it really does speak to how once you come into the community, God will give you levels of revelation in terms of the spirit's presence in your life without you actually being saved. He will bear record to you of the reality of the kingdom. But it will be of no avail since you've never submitted to Christ as Lord. You will simply have to bear witness of what you saw at the judgment seat on the last day. 
That's Hebrews chapter 6 and 10, by the way, in your own time. Okay? Their eyes were open. They tasted of the good things of the world to come. They were illuminated. But illumination is not saved. Ask Balaam. His eyes were open too. And he spoke right about God, but he was still on his way to hell. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? So when we are talking about the Holy Ghost, you're getting in trouble because you're talking about a person that can get way up in your business. And he can prove that you are a liar. We don't, we, this is why, hear me now. This is why Jesus said, all manner of sin will be forgiven, even against the son and even against the father. But blasphemy against the Holy Ghost will not be forgiven in this life or in the life to come. We have to be very careful about God's working in our conscience and in our heart when it comes to the third person. Are you guys hearing me? It's better to keep your mouth shut and say, I don't know, than to play with God at the level of the third person. God help us. Under point number two, he self-identifies, he commissions, he is to be obeyed, he exercises divine judgment. Will you look at it? Verse five through eight. Here we go, verse five. Let's keep it moving. I got to do a couple more things. Here it is, verse five. Acts five, verse five. And the pro- Acts five, verse five, please. Pray for our projectionists. I'm the one. I'm causing them to be nervous up there. That's me. I'm doing that. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down, gave up to go. I am so glad that God don't just kill everybody every day. We be, wouldn't nobody even be in church. So glad. Lord, thank you. Thank you that your mercy is broad. Listen, his mercy is broad, children of God. His, he, his judgments are strange things. He only does them when he has to teach us serious lessons. I remember when I first saved and I read that text, I said, Lord, I probably ain't going to make it one day. <laughs> I mean, if I got to just not lie and I don't even know what it means to lie to the Holy Ghost. You know how y'all used to, did I blaspheme nigga? How many of y'all ever thought I, did I ever blaspheme? Because you know we got crazy thoughts that be going, right? Yeah, you just, you walking forward, but you moonwalking right back into your old ways. Back when you're young, you just going, man, did I blaspheme the Holy Ghost? No, you didn't. No, you didn't. It takes a lot to do it. Acts Judas is scary. It takes a lot to do it. Acts Balaam. It takes a lot to do it. And Acts Ananias and Fire. You got to really be driven by a carnal passion to look God in the face and say, I'm a lie against you to the whole public community. Do you hear that? It takes a lot. She fell. He, Ananias fell down hearing these words, gave up the ghost. Great fear came on all of them that heard these things. Verse six. Here it goes. Verse six. This is how you know they were in cahoots. And the young man arose, wound him up, carried him out, buried him. Verse seven. And it was about the space of three hours after that when his wife, not knowing what what was done, came in, verse 8. And Peter answered and said unto her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. See, Peter called. And Peter called. And Peter called. But he was controlled by the Spirit of God because court was in session. He had no freedom to exercise any kind of mercy to warn her. He's an apostle. I don't want to segue into it because I'll deal with that when I deal with the apostleship principle. But all these fools talking about being apostles today, run from them quickly, quickly, quickly run from them. Quickly run from apostle this and apostle that and bishop this and a prophetess this and prophetess. Run from them. Turn away from them. They are liars. Run from them. 
and don't even play games with them. He, he that had a naughty ear listens to a wick, wicked tongue. If you're inclined to listen, something wrong with your heart. Run from them because they're liars. They can't save and they can't kill. The apostles could kill you. Woo! Do you hear me? Like they had power to raise the dead, they had power to decree death. That was apostolic authority because the spirit of God is working through them. Are you hearing me? These are the unique powers that came upon the 11 and the 12 that Christ had chosen. This is in order for the church to know you're dealing with the same God in the New Testament that you're dealing with in the Old. And that the apostles were not to be played with. And further down in this text, you know what it says? After Peter was used by God to kill these two brothers, didn't nobody hurry up and join themselves to the apostles for a long time. No, 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 no. Send me a CD, man. Send me a CD. <laughs> I, I take a CD. <laughs> Peter be driven. Here it is. Watch this. Verse 9. X 5, verse 9. Then Peter said unto her, how is it that you have agreed together to tempt the spirit of the Lord? Now, here again, this is how a nomenclature needs to be sensitively learned. In verse 3, we have him, uh, have them lying against the Holy Ghost. They have sinned against God. Now, here's another terminology, the spirit of the Lord. Do you see that? Very important for one to be able to comprehend these terms. And so Peter said unto her, how is it that you have agreed to tempt the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried your husband are at the door and shall carry you out. Peter knew. You're dead. Do you see that? Peter knew. You are dead. You're gone too. Both of y'all gone. God has to cut that cancer out before the church gets started with a bunch of hooks and crooks that want to manipulate the people and make merchandise out of them. The church was holy for a long time after this day. You got that? Holy for a long time. All right. So point C, E, our final one under here. He can be what? Grieved by our sin. I think I persuaded you of that. Is that so? But look at the text anyway. Ephesians 4 verse 30. Ephesians 4.30. Ephesians 4.30, the apostle Paul speaking to the church at Ephesus tells them, be careful about grieving the spirit of God. I don't want to develop this now because I'll get into that once we get more into the operations of the spirit in the church. But I just want you to see the text and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are what sealed unto the day of redemption. You need a context. Start back at verse twenty nine. Let's see if we can get that. Ephesians four twenty nine may be able to give us some context. Yeah. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. You see that? Right. This is where the believer needs to be careful about how he thinks. Because out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speak. When you and I are careless about our walk with God, it'll show up in how you talk. Did you hear, hear me? Right. Very important for you to know. And, and, and segueing off of a conversation with an individual to finding yourself borderline blaspheming God is not hard when we have a potty mouth. It's not hard when our heart is filled with levels of corruption and, and diabolical attitudes and hurtful and hateful dispositions towards people because hate doesn't discriminate. It is a fuel and fire rooted in jealousy for one's own deity. Whenever you and I are hating on people, we are exercising God-like attributes. You'll get that in a moment. God loves and God hates. God loves and God hates. Does he not? 
And when we are exercising hate like attributes, we are telling men and women are the object of our hate. But we are God and we would that you would be dead or damned or in hell. Now I'm acting like God. Am I making sense? And you and I can be honest that there's a kind of anger and hostility towards God that rises up in the arrogant creature called man. Is that true? Even in professing Christians. And we need to be careful because the text says here, if you are careless about your relationship to the third person in your life, in your family, in your community, etc., you can ultimately grieve him. And here's what it looks like. Here's what it looks like. When the spirit of God is grieved, he begins to incrementally move away from you. And here's how you feel about it. You become aware initially that he's moved away because you are uh, keenly aware of a lack of enthusiasm towards God or the things of God. It's like any other relationship that you have with a person where that relationship is strong and there's a communion and connection there and something offends the relationship and there begins to be a breach there. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? I don't want to have to belabor this too long. And when there's a breach in the spirit between us and God, he incrementally backs up and gives you space to repent. And when you don't, you harden your heart. And when you harden your heart over time, you actually become an enemy of the spirit. Now he's grieved. Now the idea of being grieved means that he has an assignment in your life to actually move you in the right direction. You're not going in the right direction. He wants to move you in the right direction. You're not going in the right direction. And now out of an interest for you, he's grieved. Like parents can be grieved with children. Or a husband can be grieved with his wife. Or a wife can be grieved with her husband. Because they're not operating in the covenant the right way. He's grieved and he's moving away from you and he's leaving you to yourself. And whether you know it or not, you are withering up. Your joy is diminishing. Your passion is diminishing. Your zeal is diminishing. Your your fervor and thirst to know God is diminishing. Now you're starting to make mistakes over and over and over and over and over again. You are in trouble. The Holy Ghost is grieved. The other metaphor of the fire is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and it says eventually if you quench him, the fire is out. You guys remember that language? Right, because see, when God saves you initially, please hear me, when he saves you initially, there is a supernatural zeal and passion and a focused attention on God. There's a kind of love that we have for him that raises us above normalcy and we're ready to set aside all kind of carnal things in order to get to know him and enjoy him and draw near to him. And we're thankful for that dynamic, are we not? We don't know it's the Holy Ghost drawing us into communion with God. And then one day it happens just like that, where a lack of sensitivity to the fellowship with God brings us into a place where there's a breach in the spirit. And now we are altogether carnal and we aren't fellowshipping with nobody. We're barely listening to the word. And if it's on, we still can't hear it. And God has cut off any kind of deep, profound, unique revelations, which he promises to those that draw near to him. If any man love me, he will keep my commandments and I will come unto him and abide with him. And my father will come unto him and abide with him. And I will manifest myself to him. I will manifest myself to him. That gets lost with the Christian that grieves God. And that Christian is altogether like a dead, carnal, lost, unregenerate man or woman. Is that true? Right. 
When you're in that situation, you can't help yourself. Best thing to do when you're trapped like that, and I know it's a few of you that are there, go ask somebody to pray for you. Ask someone else who is in connection with God to pray for you. Because you won't pray for yourself. You're in a pathetic way right now. Your prayers are not reaching the throne because you're asking to miss. You don't ask God for something. You ask him for repentance. Grant me repentance. Break my heart. Break my heart. And where you don't ask for that, God's just waiting. And see, he's good. He's good. Ask somebody to pray for you. God's not playing. He's there. Ask, for some, ask him for someone to pray for you. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of what? That it may minister grace unto the what? Hearers. Now, what, what, what a characteristic, what, a, um, what we would call an integrity on your part where the vast majority of your efforts are always inclined to saying something that's edifying. That you're always aware of your community and people about you and you want them to have the best experience they possibly can whenever they are in your presence. That is not about you absorbing and drawing from them because of all your negativity. That the moment you come into contact with someone else, Lord, use me. Bless them through me. Grace me to talk and speak and act in a way that will honor you through them. Build them up so when they have passed away or left from my space, they say, you know what? I'm better having met that brother than I did before I met him. He or she has been a great encouragement, great edification to me. See, when you meet mature saints, that's how it is. You get to pluck the fruit. And you get to eat of it spiritually and and emotionally and psychologically. And you say, that was good fellowship. Great fellowship. That's the kind of believer we want to be. It's the kind of believer we want to be. Verse 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit by which we have been sealed unto the day of redemption. That is point number two. Points number three and four I'm going to hold till next week. If you look at your outline, let me just briefly state these. They are one true and living God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. This is the Shema of the Old Testament, Deuteronomy uh, 6, 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one Lord, Yahweh Elohim, one Lord, triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is also an individual, self-conscious person. We cannot reduce him to a force. He is co-agent in creation, and he is the author of divine revelation. He communicates the prophetic word. He communicates the living word. He communicates the written word and he communicates salvation through it. Without the spirit of God, we could know nothing about anything. Are you guys hearing me? Without the spirit of God, we could know nothing about anything. We could know nothing about history. We could know nothing about the present. We can know nothing about the future. It's the Holy Ghost that gives us the narrative of the will of God from eternity past to eternity future. That's how important he is to all of us. God bless you. Studying God's Word that we might show ourselves approved, that we might come to a deeper love and understanding of God's amazing love for us in Jesus Christ. This has been Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. 
We are always delighted and grateful that you take a few moments to spend with us, that we might, again, study to show ourselves approved. And as we leave you today, we would also leave you with an invitation to join us for worship in person. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Pastor Jessica Stand and Grace Bible Church of Hayward, please consider this a formal invitation to spend Sundays with us. 11 a.m. is the worship service, 10 a.m. if you would like to join us for Sunday school. And don't forget, Friday evenings at 8 p.m., we have enjoyed a marvelous time of studying God's Word with brothers and sisters in Christ from a variety of churches all over the Bay Area. That's at 8 p.m. Friday evenings. For directions and more information, simply stop by our website, grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Or give us a call, 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. If you're looking for a copy of today's program, you can either contact us by phone or mail. Send $5 and we'll get a CD out to you. Or stop by grace-bible.com and download the audio file for free. The address, if you're writing to us, is 22768 Main Street, Hayward, California. 94541 is our zip code. And one final note as we conclude our time together today. We're able to come to you daily here on KFAX because of friendships and partnerships with people such as you who see the value of this ministry. Now, while it is free to listen to, for us, there is a cost, and we are a listener-supported ministry. No matter the size of your gift, it's greatly appreciated. So would you take a moment and pray about it and then contact us with your gift today? 510-886-9782 is our phone number, or write to us, 22768 Main Street, Hayward, California, 94541. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Until next time, God bless.